Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. Culture, music, news, reviews. You tuned in. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. It's the first lady point of view. Tapped in, yeah, we always on time. First lady Felicia K on the line. Wanna know what's poppin'? Tap in for the scoop. For the scoop. On all the hot topics. The latest fashion, new music reviews. music reviews. The hottest artists and exclusive interviews. You came to the right spot. First lady on deck, keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. You tuned in. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. Culture, music, news, reviews. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. It's the first lady point of view. Ah, yes. Happy Saturday, everybody. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. We have a special guest today. I'm going to introduce him shortly, but I want to wish you all well. I hope everybody is doing well and being safe, especially with the COVID-19 still floating around. You guys got to take the proper precautions. You guys, every I see that. It's a lot of people out here moving like we ain't in a whole pandemic still. <laughs> I don't know what the situation is, but just be safe. It is getting a little bit better. And if you're on the West Coast, um, make sure you guys be real careful with the climate. The air, our air out here is horrible right now with the fires and the smoke. So just be real careful. And um, yeah, that's the deal with that. I got to wish you all well and send you guys positive energy and all of that good stuff before we get right into the thick of it. I'm really excited about today's guest. He is a Arthur, and he goes by the name of Pookie, a.k.a. Lawson, and he's the author of a book. So I'm going to have him tell you about that book. And Well, I was going to tell you the name of the book, but I'm going to have him do that. So without further ado, here he is from Miami, Florida, Mr. Torrance Pookie Lawson. How are you today? I'm all right. Good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell everybody a little bit about the name of your book behind Go ahead and you tell them. Yes, my book is called 30 Years Behind Prison Walls, and it's a true story based upon my life growing up in the city of Miami and the struggle and poverty, you know, in the ghetto. So I started the book from when I was young, and bought it up all the way to like 2016. You know, it could be purchased on Amazon.com, you know, and I wrote the book like eight months before I was released from um, prison. Okay, and so did you 
what made you wait to to do it eight months before you was about to get out of prison? Did you know that that was that your release date was coming, or did you get out unexpectedly a little bit sooner than you expected? No, they had passed the juvenile law that um, stated that you can't give a juvenile life in prison no more. So when I um, came back on appeal to Dade County Jail, I was around a, a bunch of juveniles, like, you know, younger guys. And I used to talk to them about my past experience in the street. So one of them was like, you know, uh, because that's what they call older dudes, uh. Man, yo, when you be explaining stuff, does it sound like a movie, man? You need to write a book. So, you know, he inspired me, and one day I was just sitting in the cell while I'm down there on appeal waiting to be released, and I started writing, and I just started writing my life story. And when I uh, was released, you know, I published the book and, you know, got it on Amazon. Ain't that something? That they say you can learn from a baby. Look at where your inspiration came from. That's what's up. Yeah. You know, um, that's what's up. <laughs> so, um, how, what age? You said you were sentenced as a juvenile. Tell everybody what age you were sentenced to life. How old were you when you were actually sentenced to life? I went to prison when I came. I was sentenced at 16 years old for first degree murder. Um, three attempted first-degree murders, armed robbery with a firearm, and carrying a concealed shotgun. And when I was sentenced, they gave me five consecutive life sentences with 25 years mandatory. Wow, and you got out after 30 years? After 32 years. Because you're still years. young. Because you're still yes, young. Yes, I'm 49. So, yeah, God was on your... T- with that because <laughs> you still yes, uh, you've been out for quite some time you've been out um since yeah, 1986 okay 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 I thought I heard you say something about 2016 in there so wow that's crazy so you went you wait you got out and wait no you went in 86 I went in 86 and I was released then in 19, uh, 2016 and okay, I, I would have right been out said, earlier, huh? I said I had it right because I said you got out in 2016, so you must have misunderstood. No, so I was right. No, I had. I, I went to the county jail on appeal in 2016. I supposed to got out in 2016, but while I was there, the old prosecutor them came with a, a a plan to try to prevent me from being released out of all six of my co-defendants, he was like, you know, I don't, re- I don't mind you all cut, cutting, you know, resentencing the other five sentences, but don't let Lawton out. So what they did, they conspired on me while I was in the county jail because I was the last one to be released, and they put two attempted murders on me while I was in the county jail. So I was the last one to get out. I sat in the county jail three years waiting to prove my innocence on those two attempted murders that happened in another cell I wasn't even in. So during that time, like I said, my mom was on diabetic, and if they wouldn't have put those charges on me with, you know, stop me from getting out during the time I supposed to got out, I would have been out like three years with my mom. 
Then after they dropped the charges three years later, a day before I was finna be released, my mom passed. Oh no. Yeah. Sorry. She to hear died that. on a Thursday and I got out on a Friday. Oh man. Yeah, mm. so I never got a chance to see her. I went to the funeral though. Wow. It's it's a cold yeah. system and it's interesting because the the you you said that you weren't even in the cell of the the attempted murder that they tried assault. to put on you. No. But see, that's interesting nope. because you know that that's what it's all about. They try to base it on, okay, well, you in here for one thing, so anything similar to that that happened, we'll just put it on X, Y, Z. And it's ironic exactly. because we we still going through that with the system today. We've been going through exactly. it. Um, it's just crazy. And then the fact that that's a story in and of itself, like that's a whole spinoff book where the the prosecutor is just just being a familiar face and, and knowing you and thinking I, this is the one I'm a target. They always got a chosen one they're gonna target. Uh, he said he was willing yeah. to let the other five go, but not him. You know that's like a whole spinoff yeah. book right there. You know the so um, that's just a bad look. So what about your co-defendants? You said it was five co-defendants. Is everybody else out as well now? Yes, everybody out. Everybody doing good. You know, they stable. They working. You know, they living their life. Everybody out. That's good. That's good to know. So what about, um, do you want to talk a little bit about, like, how how long did you, how long were you on trial? Do you want to talk about, like, some of the excerpts from your book? We, we, we can do that. We could talk about some things you got in the book. And cause after that, I want to talk to you about your life now, but I want to talk about the actual book, what, what's going on with the book and the content, what people can expect to get out of the book about your experience in your life. Yes. I was, I was raised by my, my father and mother in a household. And you know, my father and mother, you know, like I say, we was out the projects and, you know, my daddy sold drugs. My mama was a registered nurse. He made her quit. He didn't want her working. So, you know, my household was full of hustlers, you know, and me growing up watching my dad. So, you know, I was the black sheep out of, out of all the kids. So I kind of like followed in my daddy's, my father's footsteps, but in a different version. I was caught up in the street, like on robbery, you know, robbing jewelry stores and, you know, stuff like that. So he was in the drug game. So my book basically talk about how I grew up, you know, and all the heavy hitters in Miami, the known areas in Miami, Liberty City, Opelika, you know, Alabama, Brownsville. You know, I just went there, you know, in all those areas of all the dudes who made a name in the streets there in my book. Then I talk about when I was incarcerated, you know, and how I survived in prison around adults because they never sent me to a juvenile facility among my peers. They sent me around adults as a juvenile. And God was with me because I survived all seeing the raping, the murdering, the stabbing, the suicidal, the officers killing inmates. You know, I, I experienced a lot of things in prison at such a young age. 
Yeah, that's that's a young age to be locked up with adults. I, I always question that, like how they try. And I get it. You know, sometimes it's warranted because of the crime, the heinousness of the crime. But I still think that it should be a separation. I think juveniles should be locked up, even if you don't give them whatever the case may be. Um, they should be locked up with juveniles, and when they're of age, then you can put them with adults. The reason why I say that is because, first of all, we all know prison is not designed for rehabilitation, period. Okay? Yes, and yes. It, and that's just what it is. They claim that's what it is, but nothing about that is designed for rehabilitation. I, I have a brother that's doing life right now um, as well, so mm-hmm. my, my younger brother. So um, I already know, you know what it is with that he are he's 19 almost 19 years in now so on his life without the possibility of parole um but when you go so young like that i just think it, it should be it should be a separation because it's already not designed for rehabilitation and most people when you put babies in there you're an exception you you God was on your side, right? That you got out and you're yes. a productive citizen and you're a limited man. But a lot of that comes into play with thing that a lot of black families is missing, and that's a two-parent household. I don't care what nobody say. Whether it's dysfunction, hustling, drug dealing, whatever, a two-parent household, that structure, that that matters. That matter. Um yes, as to what type of an adult you become. Like I said, it could be toxic even, but it, it still matters. The foundation of men, boys need men in their lives, and girls need women in their lives. You need a mom, you need a dad, and the structure of two parents cohesively work together um, for the fundamentals of a child, meaning teaching them um, right from wrong, um, principles, structure about homework, and how to treat others' manners, even if it's hustling. That's best. A learned mm-hmm. skill, right? That's something that will get you over in life. It, what what you choose to make your hustle, that's one thing. Um, um, I know I got dealers that, well, former dealers that was in my family, they, they principle was, when they was out there, was don't get caught. Now, some people might say, mm-hmm. that's stupid, but that's stupid to teach a child, but um, if you teach them not to get caught, that's that's a part of the hustle, correct? Because I, I have one uncle that used to say um, he did his time and he out now and he living a good life, but a, a righteous life. But I remember he used to always say, if you you hustling drugs on the street and you continue to get caught, you're not good at it. You need a new line of work. That's a lesson. Right? I, I look at all all things as lessons. Everything is a teachable moment, whether it's good or bad. That's a lesson. Meaning he said that if you get caught often, that's just, that's not your line of work. Find something else to do. And I agree with that, but um, with that being said, back to the course, is kids just don't need to be with adults, and you're the exception that you turned out well. So, now, I'm going to ask you this question. When you were in, as a young a young child, 16 years old with adults, were there a lot of other young kids your age locked up in that particular facility at that time or were you the exception which that is a whole nother story if you were just only minor in your where you were at no I was the youngest one I was the first one that ever came to Martin Correctional Institution at such a young age you had some guys there like 19 20 but I was 16 so I was the youngest see that's a whole nother Ooh, that's just goosebumps that you really turned out okay. 
I'm happy for you, my brother. Seriously, I am. Because you seem really grounded and level-headed and about your family. So tell me a little bit about the family dynamics. You, 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 how many siblings do you have? And, and what, what is it? Is it boys, girls? And where, where do you fall in at? My mom, my mom have four have have four kids, but all together, my daddy have um forty two kids. Oh, it's a lot of y'all. Oh, it sound like my granddad. Yeah, I'm originally I was born in Jacksonville, but all my family is in Florida and Georgia. So, um, I know how that goes. I think my grandfather, my mom's dad, even though my my mom come from a two parent household as well. I don't know, maybe it's a downside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, I don't know because uh, it's alleged that my grandfather, my mom, and and her, my aunts and uncles, by my grandmother, his wife, um, they she has six, three three boys and three girls. But it my, alleged my grandfather has over twenty kids, but it's at least twelve that we know and claim and affiliated with. So. But we all close though. Yeah. So it, like they all yep. my aunts and my uncles, they all we all rock together, all my cousins. I actually love being from one of the biggest, most respected families in California. It's a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. It works. <laughs> you know. So it has its perks. Yeah. So um out of your mom's kids, what where where do you fall in? Are you the oldest, the youngest, the middle? I know you said you're the black sheep, but it does that yeah, mean you fall I'm in the, the middle? Second. It's my big brother. My big brother Dwayne, he's fifty one, then it's me, then it's my little brother, and then my um sister. I have one sister from my mom. Okay. She look like you too. You post her a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's my baby. Guy. That's my little <laughs> Yeah, I can tell now. I can tell. She's the only girl, so she's spoiled too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She she the only one ain't been to prison. Everybody been to prison. My mom, my dad, my two brothers, and my sister was the only one, you know, made it through school, you know, never been in no trouble. So she the only one. That's a blessing. That's good. So as far as um with the whole experience of being locked up for so long, were you constantly in the appeals, or did you just started you started appealing after the law changed? Meaning you kind of was like hopeless, thinking, "Well, I got these consecutive life sentences. It is what it is." And then you started pursuing your appeals once the uh, juvenile law came, or what was the deal with that? How, what made you end up getting to the point of where you appealed this last time and it worked for you? You know, what it was, um, I always was in a position where I appealed my case, and it was like, you know, they always was denying me, denying me, but I never gave up, and I never had the concept that I'd never get out, you know, because I always believed in God. I just was there, my body was there, but my mind was always free because I was always in touch with society as far as, you know, people supporting me and know what was going on in society. And then when they brought in that law about in 2013, I met a guy that worked on my case, and he helped me get back in court off of that um, new juvenile law. Okay. So um, as far as the juvenile law, um, tell everybody, give a little bit of education on that. This might be informative to somebody else as far as 
what is the guidelines to be able to qualify for the juvenile law? Okay, the juvenile law consists you meet the criteria if the judge determined you was rehabilitated. If you show a, 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 a sign of reform, not getting in no trouble in prison, and they come to the concept that you've been rehabilitated, they'll modify your sentence. They'll remodify your sentence and cut it. But if they come to a conclusion that you still are a risk by as getting in trouble, they could deny you for two years. And then they have another motion, a 3.850, and the motion is called, um, um, let me think uh, right quick. I'm caught up right now. But it's another motion where if you serve 25 years, they automatically bring you back and review your file to see how you conducted yourself in prison. If they see that you was productive in prison and ain't getting no trouble like that, they'll they'll cut your sentence too. So you had two vehicles, two avenues to really get out. So one or the other could work. Okay, okay, okay. That's good to know. And I know that that is informative for somebody listening that I help. So another thing I wanted to talk to you about in, that is in the book is um, – we talked about a little bit about your childhood and you had five co-defendants. So do you have in the book as to where things went wrong and you ended up getting life or is that something that you chose not to discuss in the book? No, the book is very uncut. I I, I wrote everything pertaining to what I went through. One thing about me, I'm not, you know, feeling no type of way of expressing what I experienced in life. So I put everything in the That's good. That's good. People 19, like and I stay with her now. That's good. That's good. So as far as the breakdown of were you all tried together, all six of you, or did you have separate trials? No, I I was the only one went to trial by myself. I was the first one to be convicted, and then my cousin and my homeboy they went to um trial together, and then it was two of them. They the one told, so they got little lighter sentences. One got five year probation, one got twelve years. And the last one, he was on the run all the way to 1990, and it got um, 15 years. But me, my cousin, and my friend that went to trial with my cousin after me, they had received life, too. Wow. And you, but, but I received you did the most time. Yeah, but you did tell me that all of them ended up getting out, though, right? Yes, everybody out right now. That's good to know. Um, so do you have any contact? Oh, wait, are you on parole? No? No, no. Up under that juvenile life, they saying that parole wasn't designed for juveniles. That's a harsh punishment. So 
they didn't um, put us up on the parole. What they did, when they take your life sentence off, they give you 40 years with five years. See, that's good information. You, you dropping gems on the listeners right now. These are good things to know. Um, yeah, I appreciate you for this. This is a very informative interview. This is my first interview of this type, and I've been doing journalism for 10 years, radio broadcasting journalism. Uh, so, yeah, so um, I really, really thank you. That's why I keep having to grab my thoughts because it's all these questions in my head that I knew I wanted to ask you, and I'm just making sure I don't get anything, and I want to ask you questions without being offensive as well. So, um you don't have to worry about you don't you don't have to worry about being um, offensive. I'm very open minded, so you can ask me anything, anything you can ask. Okay, well I'm gonna just get right to it. Do you feel resentment at all towards the two individuals that told, or do you feel like you needed to be held accountable for whatever your part was in the crime? Say it again because you was breaking up. I said, do you feel resentment at all for the two individuals at toll? Or do you feel like, you know what, it was a blessing in disguise. I needed to be somewhat held accountable for my part in the crime. Yes, in a way, you know, like I say, I have seen both of them since I've been released. And that was a hard pill to swallow. That was a demon that I know I had to face because in prison, I used to have ill feelings about when I see them, what I was going to do to them. But, you know, over the years, by God blessing me and releasing me from all that time that I have, so I felt like he forgave me. So if he he forgave me, I have to forgive them. So that was kind of hard for me in my life to accept facing them and looking them in their eyes knowing that they testified on me, took the stand on me, and, and did that to me, and we supposed to be friends. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I swallowed that. It was a hard pill to swallow, but I swallowed it, and I just moved on and lived my life. I see them from time to time. I speak and keep going. That's an honorable man right there. Because um, that, you know, that's just a hard one. I definitely you on that that's a hard one to swallow whether you I, I personally feel like if we are cold defendants if we are codies it ain't nothing to talk about you he did the same thing a civilian that yeah. witnesses a crime and tells is one thing right that's my this is my yeah. my opinion I, you know um but a person that is a part of said crime if we are codies it's it's a bad look like you you don't tell for something that you are part on something you are part of, so um, exactly. you're definitely honorable for that. And just I know that that was a hard one to swallow because I, mean, I didn't realize that they took the stand mm-hmm. and saying you had to yeah. look you in the face and tell. So um, exactly, and still walk around like like nothing happened. I'm sure, but let me see. I'm a firm believer though. They don't get a lot of peace at night. <laughs> Even all these years later, you can't feel good about yourself. Um, and you know, the fact that you see them regularly is odd to me that they even still wanted to be in the city. I would have probably moved away. But and again, I would have mm-hmm. never. Been, so you just never know how you will handle a situation that you would never be in. Right? <laughs> it's easier said yeah. than done. 
But um, I'm happy that you're taking the high road. And um, what a way to look at it. It's, that's definitely the way to take to look at it. Like God forgave me and gave me another chance. So um, I don't have to forget what they've done, but I will move past it. Um, I don't yeah. always, you know, I don't always necessarily forgive people that wrong me. Um, I'm I'm God's child. I'm not God, so I'm still a work in process. But I do move on from it, and that's the difference. You know, you can move on. You can move on, and um, you know, be happy because it, it ain't gonna change the fact that they still what they are. At the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's that on that. And so, as far as the two gentlemen that testified, did they testify against? All, all four of the other gentlemen, or all four of you, or just you? No, they testified against everybody. So it wasn't personal. No, it was it, it was personal because they were trying to get out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I meant that it wasn't personal Always towards personal. you. Yeah, like towards you, yeah, like it was personal. We'll sacrifice. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll I, like we'll sacrifice. Pookie and let him fall on the sword for everybody, but collectively they told on everybody except themselves. Or did they tell on exactly. each other too? No, um, yes, they 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 implicated themselves in, into the um, incident what occurred. They 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 um involved themselves, but by them telling what actually happened, they um got a lenient sentence. Mm, mm, mm. Ain't that something? So when you were, um, how, how long before the incident and you being actually arrested and convicted? What was there a time frame, or did you guys immediately get picked up? No, it was four months later of the crime. We actually mm. got away and was living our life and. They went to, you know, these dudes, they ran all the jury, which they wasn't supposed to be wearing it. So people in the neighborhood watch went to calling in and and and, and anonymously snitching. So they went to one of them, and he confessed it. But when they went to him, they were asking him about another group of guys that was doing robberies. And he thinking they talking about our incident which they was only talking about a robbery because my incident was a robbery and murder inside of the Miami flea market down here. So they another group of guys robbed the flea market in Broward County. So he thinking they talking about our robbery, which is, was a murder involved. So they detected them, just let him kept talking. And once he kept talking, they seen that he talking about a different incident so they called that district police in North Miami and said, do y'all had a homicide and, and, and robbery over in North Miami in January? They say, yeah, we're investigating. Well, I have a guy right here. We were asking him about Broward County, Oakland Park flea market. He telling us about North Miami flea market robbery and a homicide. So they say, bring him over here. He, they took him over there. And he told them the same thing, and they read him his rights and booked him, and he went to snitching from then. Oh well, he was already gonna sing because he always he was in a whole other county giving it up, so he already knew how that was gonna roll out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
that go back to what I said. My uncle said, if you ain't built for it, um, find another line of work because that was easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so. Ooh, that's a lot. That's heavy. You guys really, it, it really is like a movie. It, it, this goes from a book to a movie. It seems like, it's like when I'm hearing it playing back, like I said, it's so, it's so much that I had in my head that I was going to talk to you about, but it's like, dang, this feels like an episode of the first 48, man. <laughs> that's, that, um, that's what inspired me to write the book, because like I said, as, you know, the younger guys, they used to love the come sit on my bed and um and jail and talk to me. You know, so you know, I used to, you know, educate them on the law and about the streets and how I illustrated in the streets, you know, and how I had all the cars and the jury. I didn't been there done that. So that would inspire me to write the book, them. So like I say, the book is an amazing book. It's five hundred and sixty pages and it's explosive from the beginning to the end. I didn't leave nothing out. Everything what go on in prison, homosexual activity, how they getting the drugs, the telephones, you know. I changed some of the names, but, you know, I basically dug down deep and let you know how dudes incarcerated live because some of these urban novels that I read, they kind of like water down the prison scenes. I didn't water it down. I gave it to you blood raw. Okay. It sounds like you did. So is there anything particular, like you feel like you could share with us about that in the book, like an excerpt from the book about uh, your what, experience? What part, What do you want to know? What, like, what, what do you want to know? Like I said, you can ask me anything. Okay. Okay. Do you I, I want to know, um, First and foremost, when you first got there, were you afraid? Did you feel like, man, this is not it? What did I feel like I was a prey? No, were you afraid when you first got there? Were you afraid? Were you scared Never. when you first got there? Never. No, because like I said, I have big brothers that been to prison all over the state of Florida. My father is a known figure in Miami. And everybody knows Big Duke's son. So when I arrived to prison, a lot of guys that grew up under my father and being around my father and my big brothers on my daddy's side, they knew who I was from from me being little and the ones was on the street before I got incarcerated knew me. So I wasn't never afraid. I was always, you have two caliber people in prison. You have prey and you have a predator. I was a predator in the street, so I was going to remain a predator in prison with or without a gun. See, you have some guys, they could be predators in the street with a weapon, but then get incarcerated and, you know, flip on the other side. Mhm. This is true. This is true. So you mentioned something about um, a lot of the younger ones coming to you for advice. Do you think that that was in part because of your reputation or it was just you kind of made yourself available? Like, look, I'm big dog. If you want to come through and holler at me, come through and holler at me. I was always a people person, you know. Because the things that they're that 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 they going through and they trying to experience, I didn't been there, 
So I didn't have to look for them to talk to them. I just had that magnetic force where I always drew people to me. You know what I'm saying? And once I see that you was on uh, positive stuff and productive stuff, you know, I sit down and I talk to you and get to you raw. But if you come at me sideways and I see you with the bull crap, I don't waste my time. Because a lot of these young juveniles today and younger guys, they feel like, oh, oh, I can't tell me nothing, this, that, that, that. So I let them experience it by themselves and let them head crack. But the ones that want to change and better themselves at life, if they choose to sit down with me and let me share what I went through and my struggle and my life, I'm going to give it to them. But I don't go looking for it. I don't go looking for it. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So as far as life after, first of all, do you feel that, I think I already asked you, do you feel that it helped develop you in any way, the, the experience? Did it yes. make you, okay, yes. oh, that's good, that's good. In what way do you yes. feel that it It saved my you? life. It actually saved my life because if I wouldn't have never got incarcerated, I either would have been dead or either in the federal penitentiary with a life sentence because of the things I was doing. So it would have went from burglary and being in a robbering and murdering, and it would have went to something else, selling drugs, because I never sold drugs, but I had the opportunity. I had the money to sell drugs. I had the money to buy big amounts of drugs. But that wasn't my desire to get in the game during that time. And I had people that was around me that sold drugs and got money with me on my level. So they used to try to get me to get out my game to get straight in the dope game, which it was sweet then in 86, 85, 84. But I never chose to. But I know if I would have stayed out, eventually I would have got into the dope game. So God set me down. He took me out of society and saved my life. I I can agree with that. I can see how that would be the the case because of the path that you were on. Um, the first thing I thought was 16 and you was already hitting heavy like that. You probably would have been dead by the time you was 19. Yep. Because the, what, yes, cause once you get that reputation of people knowing, like, they automatically going to fear you. And sometimes most mm-hmm. people out of fear, the first thing you're going to do is I'm going to get him or her before they get me, right? So I could definitely see that being the case with that um, as far as just the, the reaction of the action. So now, with that being said, it's safe to say that since your background, meaning from what your dad was and what you was around mostly, which is it fair to say, which was the drug dealing, right? So is it fair to say that your your choice, your hobby of robbery was a thrill-seeking thing? Because that's kind of like a rush crime, like a whole rush of it. It's yeah, it was a rush. rush. It was a rush. Okay. Yeah, it was about the rush. Because I, I know robbers. <laughs> and I know that yeah. mostly, um, most of them that I've ever spoken with, it was all about the rush because a lot of them ended up, like you said, the money was there at a certain time. And usually with most crimes, you're doing it to get over, to get 
through, right? And once you get to a certain yeah. level, it's like, okay, then no. But when you find yourself still going the course, you never really got to that pinnacle because you were only a baby when you went in. So you was halted early on. God intervened early on. But that's usually the, the, the way it goes. But when you get to a point where you 10, 15 years and you're still on the same course, that's, that, that's all about the thrill of it at that point to me. You know, um, yeah. so I, I don't know when just hearing you talk about the options and, and the route that would have been an easier route just based on the, the family history. It's kind of like, OK, this is what we do with this. This is what we do with that. Let's go this route. You can do this. You chose the stick up kid route. That's, that's more like a thrill seeker crime, in my opinion. So you would agree that that's what yeah. that was. It was the rush of it all. OK, OK. Yeah. If you don't start totally as a bully. You don't strike me as a bully. Um, in, 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 no, I in, never. I hate bullies. I hate bullies. I okay. was a bully stopper. Okay. See, that's what they used to call me, the bully buster. Um, and it's a thin line because people might mistake you for the bully because you can neutralize the bully. But it's actually really the opposite. Like, you're not going to punk me, and you're not going to punk nothing around me. So let's be clear there. Um, but so that's interesting, like I said, because you don't strike me as a bully and we've established that you're not a bully. So it was definitely the thrill seeking of it all, the robbery thing. Um, but I think it's, it's two different things. A robber is a thrill seeker and a jacker is a bully. So a, a jacker yeah, is kind of that person. It was, it was like the people that I robbed, I didn't rob people that was needy and people I robbed it, drug dealers who had businesses, jewelry stores, and this and that. So they was drug dealers. So yeah, I robbed yeah. it them. I didn't take from the, the real innocent. All of it was wrong, but I took from people who was doing wrong. A Robin too. Hood, a modern-day Robin Hood, yeah. meaning if you had a whole method to your madness. Now we finna get into the thick of it. I'm going to ask you a heavy question real quick. So when you said that, you, you had a targeted prey, right? Um, yes. Do you think that that particular, do the, you think that a little bit of that stemmed from childhood? You said your dad was always a drug dealer. Um, do, yes. do you think that Do you think that, that played a part into why you chose that particular type of person? This is going to be who I'm going to get, this right here. And I felt like it was more of an easy target than standing on the corner selling drugs because I always been the type of individual I didn't have patience. I liked it everything fast. So why mm-hmm. sit out here <laughs> eight nine hours sweating on here running the cars and selling drugs and I could go hit me a lick in an hour and make me fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars. I definitely understand the rationale. <laughs> I do, I do, and I respect it. Um, man, I gotta really get. I just got the book, so I haven't got into the thick of it. But I'm gonna have to like really, really like dissect it so I can get into the layers of it. But I want you to um, I'm gonna have you plug all of that again in a minute. But I do want to talk about life after for Mr. Lawson. You did say mm-hmm. that you um that there's somebody you've been with for 19 years, correct? No, I've been with her 30 years. Okay. So you guys, your relationship started when you was locked up, or how, how did yes, that come about? Yes, I met her. 
I met her on um, visiting Paul in 1990 when she came to visit her brother. And my mom and my father came to see me. And she's 11 years older than me. I was 19, and I think she was like 32. And I've been with her ever since. She's been riding with me. Okay. She's in the you book, but I changed up. Huh? And, and keep it like that. Keep it like that. Keep it like that. Um, You said you was 19 and she was 32? Yes. Okay. No, that's a good thing to know. The reason why I say that is because a lot of people, it's usually the opposite. The man is older and the woman is younger, but sometimes the older woman can be a, a structure. I, I, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. It obviously worked you. It balanced you out. And look at that. See, see, that's what I'm saying. Blessings and knowledge can come from anywhere. Like a young a youngster told you, oh, gee, turn that into a book. And then you found your soulmate mm-hmm. on the yard in that very place that you did not want to be. You know, so that's why I said you just, you got to always be prepared. So that's what's up. So were you and her brother friends in, in, in on the inside or you guys just kind of saw each other in passing on the visit? Really, man, her uncle, I met her uncle in confinement. And I was in um, confinement in a cell by myself for 26 months for assault on an officer, a correction officer. So I met him back there. It's called close management. It's not regular confinement. When you catch major charges, they put you in a place called CM. So I was back there, and I met her uncle. So when I was released, while I was back there, her brother came to that prison. So I went and found him and was telling him delivering messages from his uncle. And so when I went on the visiting part that weekend, he was out there and I met his sister. But then he became my biggest enemy because he envied me of being with his sister and what she went to doing for me. So he felt like I was taken from him, which that wasn't the case. He just was jealous. To this day, he's still jealous of me. He'll talk to me, but he still has that envy in his heart. Wow. See, that's good to know as well um, because there's a flip side to it. Because now, if we've been realistic, I can see how that would be a problem. You know, because in prison, you, neither one of y'all know if y'all when y'all going to get out, right? And that's survival, correct? Mm-hmm. Like somebody that's taking care of me while I'm in here, if now they occupying their time, their business, their packages, the money on the books to somebody else, that's mm-hmm. messing up how I move. So I can see how that will cause a problem, <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. but it's we, end up, we, that- end up, we end up fighting. We fought one time in prison, me and our brother. Our brother older than me, too. He was like 30, and I was 19. So you guys still, is it still kind of sticky or are you guys okay? Because technically y'all family now, right? Um, yeah, we're okay, but I know yeah. in the back of my mind, I know he don't really like me. He still envy me, and she know it too. Wow. So do you guys have any children? I have um, a daughter. My daughter is 34 years old. I have one kid. Okay. Okay. So that's But not with know. her. Okay, that's good though that you guys are still together. That that shows loyalty and patience. I I tell you that um, because you know she rocked with you through most of your sentence basically because you was only nineteen mm-hmm. when you met her and you did thirty years so and you went in at sixteen so 
that's a good thing. So let's talk a little bit. That brings us to right here. Let's talk about the life after. So what what are mm-hmm. you doing right now? Where are you at right now? Do you mentor? Um, are you just trying to stay afloat? Like wh- where is Mr. Lawton at right now in this chapter of his life, 49 years old? Where are you at? I'm going to be straight up with you. When I first was released, I was out four months, and I got back locked up. I got out moving too fast trying to make up for those 30 years, and that was my biggest mistake. Study living my life at that particular time on a daily basis. I was used to beautiful things, beautiful cars, beautiful clothes, so I started chasing real fast, and I end up selling drugs, getting in the drug game after four months out, and one of my homeboys from prison called me, and as a favor, I did something for him, and I met his so-called cousin, and when I went up there to Broward County and Sunrise to meet his cousin, come to, come, come to find out his cousin was an informant. So when I took the four ounces of heroin up there and they gave me the $10,000, the jump-out team jumped out on me. So I, I I went back in. I was locked up in the jail for a year, and the judge put me on probation, I mean house arrest, which I have a ban on my leg, and I've been fighting that case for four years right now. So they still managed to get you back in the system, but on the flip side. So yeah. do you think, yeah, yes, because you got away, you got out, you didn't get away with, you did your time. You got out without parole. I was going to say you got away without getting parole when you got out from the first time, mm-hmm. from the 32 years. Um, mm-hmm. But this time, do do you think, that the cause do you think that the friend that asked you do you think it was a setup from the beginning that what everybody's saying you know because my like other it friend it. yeah it, yeah, it sounds like it. i don't want to give nobody a jacket yeah my other friends in prison all them like you know was calling me what you want us to do to him this and that i'm like no nah, i don't do nothing to him Man, I'm telling you, he did that, his cousin did that, to try to help him get his time cut because he's been locked uh-huh. up 35 years. And I, so I they was that. like, man, Panama probably did that to try to get his time cut, this and that and that and that. So, you know, I told him don't do nothing to him. So, you know, I just leave it in God's hand. I feel yeah, like I'm going to be all right because, yeah. because if I wasn't, I wouldn't have been back out here right now. Yeah, with a, with an ankle monitor, that's still a blessing because they could have kept you with no, with it just kept you because of the, what you just did all the time for, and for you to and you, yep. you back on jail property, you you up there about to do something, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that's a bad look. But then again, it also falls a little bit if it if 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 it's what it sounds like. The way I'm thinking what happened, right? Like on some setup, it sounds almost like entrapment as well. So that's that what my saying. lawyer fighting it on entrapment right now. Yeah, that's because I never called them. It's a different. Yeah, so my lawyer saying you never had the attention to selling no drugs. They called you. 
Right. And they kept calling me because I declined. I'm like, Panama, I just got out, man. Man, help me get a lawyer. Help me get a So they were persistent. They kept calling me and kept calling me. So in the entrapment statute, you got to prove two elements where you was a lord and enticed. And they kept calling me, knowing that y'all calling me to set me up. Yeah, it sounds like you got, I'm telling you, it sounds like you got another book on the way. Because, <laughs> boy, mm. uh, I just wish nothing but the best, my brothers. I'm telling you, um, that deck is stacked against you, honey. It's a fight, but I just feel like um, uh, all tests end up being testimonies in the end. So it's what you make of it. Um, and, you know, I know that's kind of got your life in limbo right now because we yeah, the point yeah. where we're talking about life after, but it's like the life after is type of way. Yeah. So, um, that's unfortunate, but we're going to stay optimistic and God worked it out before, and hopefully um, he's going to come through with flying colors again. Um, like I yes, said, ma'am. it's just unfortunate that it, it comes to that. Like and you said, the other individual, he's been in there for 35 years. Is he still locked up right now? Yes, he had a natural life. Okay, well, see, yeah, that 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 uh, that would be something that would make me say, "Aha, I could see why this person would try to not justify it, but it would make sense for it to be a setup because people would some people might say, "But why would he want to set him up? Well, if you got natural life and they told you you can get out tomorrow, um, and it could be an envy thing too, like well, he got out, he had life, not even considering you got." Juvenile life. That's something different. That's when you fell under the juvenile law. It could be something mm-hmm. along those lines. But I wish everybody involved the best. So, as of right now, you would is it safe to say that that has kind of got your life in limbo because you can't really move like you want to move with an ankle monitor on. Yeah, okay. yes. Because my whole life right now, I only can move around Monday through Friday. But, you know, God been good to me. My house arrest officers, they give me, they be leaning on me. They give me like six, seven hours to move around. You know, I could look for a job. I could do things. I could go where I want to go. So I'm living a life, but I still have something hindering me, which is this band on my leg. Uh, it's stopping me from doing what I really want to do because, like I said, before I got out of jail, I used to mentor to the kids for the correction officers three times out of week. And, you know, all these kids, you know, they looked it up to me. You know what I'm saying? Coming from University of Miami College, the at-risk kids, the 500 role models, they used to love to come see me. And I changed a lot of these kids' life with what I went through sharing my life experience with them. So that's something that I really want to do, mentor to the kids. And I didn't have I didn't have opportunities where people contact me from out of town, but I can't leave Miami. They want me to come mentor and, and you know, be a speaker, but I can't leave Miami. So it's stopping me from doing a lot of things that I want to do. And that's what's going to really touch the masses is being able to do that. Um, what, what part of Miami are you in? A day county. Day county. Okay. So, um, man, I wish you could get, well, things like this right here are help. And maybe start, like, platforms on the Internet to where you can mentor, like, 
you kind of got to utilize the tools that you got. And like I said, I'm very grateful that I was able to be an outlet with this. And then we're going to have you tell people how they can find you. People that might need uh, a mentoring, assistance, um, kids that need those things from you, um, that big brethren and, and about staying the course. Um, how can they contact you as far as your social media sites and things of that nature? Yes, my, my Facebook name is Pookie Lawton. And I talk to a lot of parents over social media, you know, they inquire with me about problems that they go through on the daily. My They inbox me, I call them, I FaceTime, I talk to their kids. You can reach me at Pookie Lawton on Facebook or either Pookie Lawton on IG. My um, Gmail is PookieBoy1970 at gmail.com. So you can reach me all three of those type of ways. Okay. Well, you guys, make sure you guys reach out to him for your mentorship. For It might be for you, your sons, your daughters even, your loved ones. Um, make sure you contact Pookie Lawton, and that is spelled L-A-W-T-O-N, not Lawson. It's Lawton, all right? So make sure you guys reach out to him and make sure you guys get over to Amazon and get that book. Go ahead and tell him the name of the book. Yes. 30 Years Behind Prison Walls. All right. And it is by? By Torrance Pookie Boy Lawton. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you so much for giving us your time today and talking to us. And please don't be a stranger. When you've got something new that comes up, I want, to, I want you to tap in with us and let the viewers know, let the listeners know what's going on with you. Let us know how things turn out with this um, upcoming situation. I don't want you to get too much into that because this is an international broadcast and I would never want to be a part of anything that would harm your mm-hmm. outcome in any type of way. So I wish you nothing but the mm-hmm. best and many blessings to come and just tap in with us. You know, let us know how you're doing, OG. Um, and like I said, you are greatly appreciated. And man, it, it, the storm is gonna lift. I promise you that. I just feel that you have a good energy yeah. and a good spirit. And you know, it's your time. It's, you're deserving of that. And just keep living right. I know sometimes it's it getting hard, man, but <laughs> it's working itself. Yeah. I believe that. So is but, there anything else you want to tell the people? Yes, I appreciate thanking you first. I want to pre- I appreciate from you from giving me this opportunity to get on your, you know, broadcast and, you know, get my message out, you know, to talk a little about my book and, you know, try to, you know, identify with the um, listeners. That's a blessing, you know. Like I say, since I've been out, I didn't try reaching, you know, out to several people, you know, Steve Harvey show, this and that. But it's been so hard connecting, trying to contact them, you know, because like I said, I have a story to share. You know, you ain't even heard half of it, but I know, you know, on the show it's kind of like a time thing, but I've been through a lot. You know what I'm saying, and I appreciate yeah, we, this we, we, opportunity. we'll get you back on. We'll get you back on here for sure. <laughs> We're gonna get you back on here, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about. Um, well, you know, we'll stretch it out and get it get it done. Um, like I said, I wish you nothing but the best, and feel free to tap in at any time. We'll do it all over again and talk about more. We'll set up. Matter of fact, guys, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb right here. What we're gonna do is um we're gonna set up uh we're gonna say we're gonna do um, a part two 
we'll do a part two to this. Mm-hmm. We'll do a part two with um, Mr. Lawton, and we'll follow up on what's going on with him. All right. So until next time, I you all. Thank you that. once again so much for coming on the show. And I'm gonna email you. We'll get. We'll we'll set up a day for a second time, and um, we'll let you. I'm gonna email you today, and we'll set that up as soon as possible. Because now that I put it out there, that people are gonna expect it, and this is something that people need to hear. I know a lot of people that will benefit from this interview. And once again, I thank you. And I thank you all for listening. And until next time, my brother, um, you want to mention anybody real quick? No, I'm good. Like I say, it's a blessing, you know, having this opportunity for God, you know, bringing you to me to give me this chance to, you know, put myself out there. And I appreciate that. That's a blessing. All right. Well, you guys, make sure you be following, watching his social media, and then make sure you watch mine go to the website the first lady pov i have um we will set up another interview and i'll let you guys know when it's coming because i know a lot of people are going to really be looking for that all right so until oh yes one more thing one more thing one more thing before you go you also can look me up i'm on um on youtube it's called Miami behind bars in miami i'm the face of that documentary on there it's like Eight million follower viewers already. It's called my um, behind bars, Miami. You could go on YouTube and I'll pop up. Okay, okay. So you guys make sure you guys go check that out as well. And as always, I want to say this to you all in parting. All right, reach back for those that are coming up behind you and pay homage to those who did it before you. It won't cost a thing. I promise you'll feel good about yourself. And until next time, you all. May God bless your hustle, and we are out of here. Until next time. All righty. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right. No problem. All right. All righty. Okay. You tuned in. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. Culture, music, news, reviews. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. It's the first lady point of view. Tapped in, yeah, we always on time. First lady Felicia K on the line. Wanna know what's poppin'? Tap in for the scoop. On all the hot topics. The latest fashion, new music reviews. The hottest artists in exclusive interviews. You came to the right spot. First lady on deck, keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. First lady point of view. Culture, music, news, reviews. You tuned in. First lady point of view. You tuned in. First lady point of view. It's the first lady point of view. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.